Verulam Sports. Hello again and welcome to Verulam Sports. This is Tony Rice alongside a man who has represented GB at age group levels, who has rubbed shoulders with luminaries of the long distance world, including highly Gabriel Selassie, and who has also coached the local football show's own Voice of Our Saints, Double G Graham Griffin to Marathon Endeavours. It's a pleasure and a privilege to welcome to you, Mr. Martin Whitwood. Martin, good evening. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. A fantastic. Well, listen, loads to unpack with yourself. First and foremost, though, I want to uh, unpack things quickly with regards to that mutual connection. We call him Double G, Graham Griffin. He is the voice of our saints. I know he's uh, appreciated your coaching assistance. Uh, he mentioned, of course, that uh, you were a tough taskmaster. Can you give us a, a few of your memories of working closely and pushing on to ever greater endeavours? Graham Griffin. Um, with Graham in particular? Yes, fire away, focusing <laughs> on that. I, I, I think my abiding memory with Graham was always promising him uh, um, a much slower pace than he ended up having to do. Um, and we'd get to an end of a run and he would be um, uh, somewhat aghast that, oh, you said that was only going to be eight minute miles and that was seven minute miles and you said that was only going to be eight miles and that was ten miles. And uh, so I, I think, I don't know whether then that actually meant that there was a complete and utter breakdown in trust, but he certainly took with a pinch of salt every pace and every distance <laughs> that I promised him I was going to do. <laughs> So my memory, I think, of, of Graham was uh, rain or shine. Um, he, he was always there, which was, uh, which was great because it was always good to have a group where you saw the same faces week after week and you could see them improving. And that uh, experiences was, of course, with Westminster Lodge, where, of course, you've been a long term member and also another uh, key uh, athletics club here in and around St. Albans, the Striders, where I believe, Martin, Correct me if I'm wrong, you're still a record man there with at least four records to your name on the Striders uh, record board. Tell us a little um, bit about those. I am. I've, I've, I've run for St. Albans Striders for, uh, I think, 17 years now. Um, and yes, I do. I, I hold club records for a V40, for, for an old git uh, uh, <laughs> record. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I strangely hold records at some unusual distances for a runner normally if you are if you are a good runner you are particularly good either at one end of the spectrum but I, I yeah. do have some V40 records both as uh, as a sprinter there um, and also at marathon um, with not a great deal in between I, I have to add <laughs> I mean that's extreme is astonishing because the kind of uh, muscle type really to the, you know I went in my head and I'm no guru on this you'll be able to correct me where I uh, stray off the path but for my understanding the kind of the sprint events the 200 meters where I think you hold one record for instance it's very much kind of that quick twitch fiber explosivity isn't it whereas in the marathon literally worlds apart you are uh, kind of need that more slow release, kind of less kind of explosivity. So what's your secret, do you think, to be so good on both of those ends of the polarity? Um, I, I, I think, I mean, it, without getting into sort of very technical uh, ways that 
um, physiology works when it comes to endurance sport, but you, you have ba two basic types of, of exercise, aerobic yep. exercise and anaerobic exercise, and one where your body is expending oxygen faster than it can replenish it, which is anaerobic, and aerobic where you're using oxygen uh, efficiently and you're mm -hmm. replenishing it um, uh, you know, at, at, at the rate that you're expending it. And um, I seem to be good at both ends of the scale because almost, in my mind, with sprinting, I can do it without breathing. I can almost do a 200 meters without sort of taking a breath. And then I can do a marathon where I've, I've trained by doing lots and lots and lots of running uh, and lots of volume. And so I've got lots of endurance. It's the stuff in the middle where you have to almost utilize both that I end up struggling on personally. Interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not built like a, a, a sprinter by any means. Uh, but I think that, see, when I first started running, I was only ever interested in becoming good at one distance, and that was the marathon. So I, unlike a lot of athletes who, started athletics uh as a junior you know yeah. eight years old or whatever and slowly worked their way up through the distances i i only ever started running long distances so i i sort of did things in reverse i then started trying some mm -hmm. track events and realized i was actually quite good at those short sprint type distances i had explosive power mm -hmm. I, I guess i did used to play football uh, at school a lot which i guess is a very similar muscle group as you sure. say you know that explosive um uh, that explosive speed but um you know i i still think though that look on paper i i've certainly done a lot more long distance running than i've ever done sprinting and and that's always been where i've been most comfortable and most sort of you know know what i'm doing and the allure of the marathon martin it is just staggering me uh, in my mind to even conceive of it, quite frankly, being but merely an armchair pundit and a man who appreciates the possibility of human excellence. Um, can you recall what it was uh, that kind of gave you that initial drive towards excelling at that 26 miles and change event? Um, well, I, I mean, I've done just over 30 marathons and I've, I've probably done just over 200 half marathons. So it was always the longer distance yeah. that appealed. And, and I guess until you run marathons and there's millions and millions of people out there that will uh, attest to this, it is, it's very addictive. You know, the crowds, the noise, mm. the whole process of, of, pinning the number on your best, standing the start line, that anticipation. Um, and then when you find that you're actually reasonably good at it, mm -hmm. see, my first marathon was, was three hours 37, which, you know, um, was quite good for my first time. I, I'd never tried, I didn't really train that hard for it, but I, I sort of, my ears pricked up as it were. I suddenly mm. thought, oh, actually, if that's what I can do, having never run before and never really trained, and I was... I don't know, I think I was about 35 when I ran my first marathon, and I was 43 when I ran my fastest marathon. And that PB, and think, the fastest, what was your uh, time? Because it's right up there amongst the UK's finest, I have to say, Martin. Just uh, what's your PB marathon-wise? I, I, I don't know about the UK finest, but it's certainly, it's certainly very respectable uh, for someone over 40. Yeah, it was, it was 241, which is essentially running around about six minutes and five seconds per mile uh and 
I mean, you know, it's 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 good club mm. runner standard, uh, and it's probably you know, and it's good um, forty something standard. Uh, but you are getting a crop of of forty year olds now who are uh, consistently winning races um, because they have actually slowed down from being even quicker in their thirties. But endurance sport, you know, and and I, I suppose there's an there's a there's a saying in in running that when you can no longer run fast, you run longer. And most people, most athletes tend to um, start tackling longer and longer distances uh, as they get older, because as you were saying earlier, those fast twitch muscles that allow them to have that explosive speed deteriorate, but they find that they're able to do longer distance uh, events. Uh, for, for one main reason is, you know, as you get older, you've got a bit more time available mm -hmm. you've got a bit more uh discipline to be able to go out night after night in rain and bad weather and sort of churn out the miles and and there's no real uh, there's no shortcut to being successful at sort of marathon uh, my i i'm sort of the old school yeah. of massive amounts of running uh, and it was a revelation to me when i first started running marathons i would try anything all sorts of you know shortcuts that i thought were going to give me improvement and then I, I had this sort of epiphany that the, the only way to become a better runner was just do more running and the more and, and Martin, more running, on that very theme i was again chatting to our mutual friend gg the voice of the saints check him out on the local football show um about your good self and uh he let me know that that application that discipline that commitment to this uh, particular fashion uh, uh, passion of yours i should say doesn't end on christmas day I was amazed to learn that. I got to say, again, is it just a, is it just running is just instrumental beyond habitual, a core part of precisely what you are all about. Uh, running on Christmas Day um, actually is 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 my little secret that I'll let your your listeners into. It gets you out of doing the Christmas dinner. Ah, well, now, there no, we go. I was going to give you the ultra discipline, you know, massive uh, focus, but you know what? That's, that's fair <laughs> enough. It is a bit of a mission, isn't it? All the preamble and what have you, but there we go. I mean, you know, I, I, I do, I, I do a lot of running. I run every day. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm marathon training, I, I sort of peak at around about a hundred miles a week, which is, the only way to achieve that is often to be running twice a day to get sure. that, that sort of amount of mileage in. And yes, you, you know, you have to be quite disciplined about how you organize your life around that amount mm -hmm. of, of time, you know, on just out of the house running. But Christmas Day, lovely. It's so nice because you see so many people doing the same thing on Christmas Day, running with Christmas hats on or whatever. And of course, a, a big part of any sport, what, whatever sport yes. it is you do, is uh, effort and reward, you know? And so, you know, you're gonna spend the rest of the day drinking wine and mm -hmm. drinking beer, you know, having knocked out a 10K or even a 10 mile or whatever run the morning of, Christ of, of Christmas days, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a good way of then having that exercise to turkey, basically. Hey, Martin, I tell you what, uh, you've not quite sold me on it, but I can really appreciate the, the passion and the energy and the, the rationale behind all of this. Uh, another way is to consider it to be just a man who really loves the, uh, the commitment to his cause. But anyway, um, 
before we move on throughout your wide and varied and still continuing on representing GB uh, and there's still aspirations of podiuming in your current events, just want to ask you a quick question finally on the marathon theme. Because from my naive perspective, I've spoke to lots of people who've run, for instance, the London Marathon. And it always shocked me to discover that their, in, their informed advice that they applied before running it for the first time was obviously build up to it, do lots of training as you are aware, make sure that you're committed in your discipline, you've got all that stuff in. But, and this shocked me, you shouldn't actually run a marathon before you run the marathon. Now, for me, I was shocked because whatever it is I do, I'd like to at least get an insight that I can do it before I then have to do it on the day or the night. Can you explain that to me? Or is that slightly uh, a bit of a misnomer? Uh, I, I think I don't think that's a misnomer for say your first marathon. I, I think that you know you, you're gonna you're going to find it hard enough when you first do 26 miles as it is. Yeah. Having done it first and realizing how uh, how unforgiving it can be could put you off somewhat of actually doing the race uh, when actually is the race day. Um, but as for you know, I, I don't think there's any real need at any uh, level to be running the full distance in training uh per se i i do i i do tend to run that but i run it in a very different way i'll start off very slow and i'll build up oh, yeah. speed i'm trying to build up in endurance i mean it, it it can be a very cruel mistress the marathon mm. um you can feel absolutely fantastic at 10 miles you can feel absolutely fantastic at 22 miles you can feel fantastic at 24 miles and then for it, it will just completely fall apart really near the end you know you, martin is no that what they refer to as the wall yeah i mean the wall is the, the wall is a, is a is a technical term really for basically running out of energy and running out of fuel and running out of um uh, uh you know energy reserves that you mm. you get from carbohydrate and and you know sugars and whatever that the wall is actually something that's physically happening to you but psychological part of that is as well i mean i've always tried to view a, a marathon i i do lots and lots and lots of mileage so that my body is is uh prepared for um such a long um sustained period of of uh, trauma to it and uh, i try to view a marathon as a 10k race with a 20 mile warm up and so if once i've got to 20 miles if i've got there in quite a uh, a steady pace by by you know managing my energy as best as i can and then mm. i've got that last 10k to really try and, and push on and race it whereas a lot of people view it the other way around they hope to get to 20 miles and just see if they can hold on mm. uh, and i try and turn that around and, and try and run as quickly as i can at the last bit of it it doesn't often work there's not many times where i've really struggled because i try and you know legislate for that by just doing lots of lots of mileage basically you know it's, there's no real shortcut to it like with sprinting you can do all sorts of sessions sure. to help build that strength but the only thing that will give you endurance is to do in lots of volume really just stay committed unbelievable uh, martin um one thing that your commitment has led to as we've discussed is representing gb great britain at various at age levels and uh, i think uh, your current focus is the duathlon 
can you just explain to the uninitiated, uninitiated, get my words out, what duathlon is? Uh, uh, du- duathlon is a, is a multi-sport in the same way as a triathlon is. Uh-huh. Uh, and people are much more familiar with triathlon being um, a swim, um, followed by a, a, a bike section, followed by a run section. And a duathlon is very similar, where you, you have a, a, a run at the beginning of the race replaces the swim. And duathlon has increased massively in popularity, but it started really by triathletes doing duathlons mm. in the um, off-season, so in the colder months when the swimming wasn't practical. Mm-hmm. And it's grown really from, from being used by triathletes as a, as a way of continuing to train into, its, into a sport in its own right. And so generally, it's uh, run, then bike, then run. And usually it starts with the, the longer run at the, the beginning uh, and a shorter run um, at, at the end. And, you know, it, it's... I got into duathlon because I, I sort of realized with, with age that I probably wasn't going to get any quicker as a runner. I was mm-hmm. never going to make it to full on, you know, to elite level as a runner. I started running far too, too late for that. And duathlon and triathlons do offer uh, um, competition by age groups. And so you can stay interested in it and stay sort of, um, engaged with it as a, as a sport by as you age you progress through the same age groups in duathlon and and triathlon i mean there is you know it, it's an enormously growing uh sport of, in, in its popularity um in the uk martin do you know what i really value about that and just had a quick chat off the air with you about it the other day is the fact that People talk, don't they, an awful lot, a lot of PR spin perhaps, about um, sport for all. But I just love that that kind of age bracket provides right up to 70 pluses from what you were saying to me off yeah. air yesterday, the opportunity to really take that very seriously. So you can still get to elite level on a relatively uh, equal, equalized factor of age right up to you know what might once have been referred to as geriatric status and for me that is so superb because ultimately if we're not taking sport for all seriously and giving people not only like yourself but a whole array of others up to right up to uh you know pensioners and beyond that chance to keep going and keep competing then we're not taking sport for all seriously i don't believe so yeah i'm really excited about that your thoughts it's a it's a really great way of of making uh competition accessible to everybody regardless of their age um and their gender of course because you know you've got all of the age groups then you've got you know age groups within each gender yeah and so you're not starting you're not uh standing on the start line, looking around at loads of sort of 22-year-old, um, really fast guys thinking, I have actually no chance mm. of, of, of getting anywhere in this race. You're actually looking around at your, um, your peers in your age category and uh, comparing your, yourself athletically and your performance against them and only them. And um, I, I would recommend anyone who's interested in multi-sport uh, because it adds it adds a, an, a much more interesting dimension when you're trying to master more than one 
discipline. So you're trying to become a good runner and a good cyclist, and, yeah. in, in the, and then in triathlon, a good swimmer as well. If you go on to British Triathlon's website, there is enormous amounts of information how you can get involved with age group um, competition and competing for your country. And actually putting on a, a, a GB um, kit uh, and going to a race races all over the world and races in the UK and actually competing for your country. I mean, there's age group um, competitions, so just in running and just in cycling as well. So, Martin, you know, I mean, what an honour. I'm just a, super impressed with this. You mentioned the website. Are you au fait with that? Could you provide us that link just in case anybody is interested and really wanted to learn a little bit more? Um, yeah, I, the, uh, I, I mean, if you just if you just search for British Triathlon, you, you'll find there's only one British Triathlon site, um, and they have all the information on which races you have to uh, go to and how you go about qualifying. Um, you know, my age category at the moment still, I'm I'm in the 45 to 49 category, and I've competed in the 40 to 40, uh, 44 category previously. They're still incredibly competitive you know those guys are, are are very close to being um the the absolute top flight in terms Indeed. of their um performance you know there's not a great deal it's still a very very competitive mostly because you know um it's again with all endurance sport i think it does favor age in some ways because you have the uh, the, the, the free time and the dedication and, and the discipline to, to perhaps, you know, uh, that your training requires to then be able to become um, uh, competent at it. But definitely, it, it's a wonderful way of it being very inclusive to everybody. Yeah. But it doesn't, it's not just multi-sport. All sports mm. now are starting to um, uh, have an age group factor, competitive factor in all of them. So you can run for your country under uh if you go on if you go and search for england athletics there are age group competitions at half marathon at marathon that you can um enter into and the same if you go onto british cycling's website there are cycling events uh where you have an opportunity to compete for your country um in your age group as well so you know there's there's lots of chance you know i i've 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 done it and it's good fun and you know there's a really good social side to it you meet a lot of other sure. people not just British athletes but you'll meet athletes from all over the world doing the same thing um, and it's 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 that slightly next level of just mm. entering your local you know 10k or your local half marathon you're actually and I can imagine that that is a progression that a lot of people will still love to learn about plenty of information out there Martin, just a few final quick questions before I let you go. And you've really inspired me, quite frankly. I'm sure many others. Uh, of course, you're talking from experience here, having represented GB um, at um, the age group levels. And then the last time, the last Euros was out in Spain in, uh, I think, uh, Punta Umbero near Portugal, a 10th place finish in the duathlon. Yeah. And I'm sure aspirations to learn from that and still push forward. What were the major takeaways and your current aspirations for your next big uh, GB events? I, I, I think that, um, I, I mean, because there's a, there's a couple of different distances you can run at, uh, and compete in both duathlon and, uh, and triathlon. And, you know, even though I've been doing this now for 17 years, I'm still learning really. Uh, which distance works best for me. 
and I, I that was particularly evident in Punta Umbria, the European Championships that, that I did um, last year, that I realised that uh, for me, going down to a shorter distance uh, gave me a disadvantage coming from a running background, but gave me an advantage from uh, a relatively new cyclist in, in racing. Um, but a few interesting points of, of note from that was because of um, the pandemic, the week before the duathlon uh, European Championships in, in Spain, the World Triathlon Championships, elite championships, were meant to be happening in, uh, in Dubai, I think. And they got cancelled because of COVID. And the um, International uh, Multisport Federation announced to their competitors that if they wanted to, they could all go and compete in the duathlon championships at the European, uh, at the ones that I was at. And so you had such uh, names as the uh, Brownleys turning up to compete. Wow. In, uh, which is fantastic. You know, so it, it uh, you've got then a really high standard of elite level international athletes turning up, which just made the whole experience feel even more special for those who are competing at age group level because they felt really part of this, um, this sport, uh, you know, in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have done without that sort of big names turning up and also competing on the same course as them, you know, at the same Were you able to grab an opportunity to pick their brains at all? I, I did actually. I got a chance to chat to a few of the coaches of some of the international athletes and, uh, you know, just to get little tips. Sure. Uh, because, of course, there's... Incremental games, games Martin. Incremental, incremental games. games. I mean, multi-sport, multi-sport. So triathlon and duathlon is about running and cycling or running or, you know, swimming, cycling and, and running. But it's also, there's the, 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 the third... Um, discipline as it's called in duathlon or the fourth in triathlon which is the transition which is the period where you go from run to bike and I was always hopeless at that terrible I mean I'd, 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 I'd enter the transition area you know in third place and I would e exit it in tenth place and I'm losing positions from from something that doesn't require any athletic ability it just requires better organization and so I, 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 you know, I'm still learning ways to make those transitions sure. faster. And, and that's what I did last year, particularly. And, and quite a few coaches that I spoke to out there gave me a lot of tips on that, which was very helpful. Well, again, that's so insightful. And I could speak to you forever and a day. Uh, I'd be fascinated at another time to get your take on the increased longevity of athletes and sports stars across the world. I mean, Tom Brady, for goodness sake, is he ever going to stop? Why would you? Uh, but that's a general trend. I think technology and sports science is shifting things for the positive. But cycling back now for tonight to your wonderful experiences, 17 years plus with the Striders here in St. Albans. I'm sure you've inspired many people listening, uh, maybe you want to get in that sports for all at the uh, elite level, or just get your run on with the Striders, or maybe well, the team at Westminster Lodge. Give us anybody, the best ways to learn more about those two great organisations. Yeah, I mean, anybody who wants to get into uh, uh, running, um, then St Albans Striders is a, it's a big club. It's a, a club that's been around for over 30 years. It has over 400 members. Um, it meets uh, twice a week. 
um, at the running track in in uh, in Verulam Park, um, and they offer uh, training sessions and and run coaching for any level from complete beginner right up to uh, elite level. Um, and they meet at seven o'clock on a Tuesday uh, and seven o'clock on a Thursday. They offer a, a track session on a Tuesday. They offer weekend runs. Um, it's, it's very cheap to join and your membership allows you to compete at UK Athletics accredited races. Uh, you've got road running leagues, you've got cross country leagues and there's athletics uh, leagues that you uh, can automatically at no additional cost enter. Then, of course, if you want to get into cycling, um, St Albans has a very big cycling club, which is Verulam Cycling. Um, and you can, you know, they're, they're easy enough to find if you search on Google for Verulam mm -hmm. and that they're a big club as well. And then if you want to be a bit more niche and multi-sport, then there's a very big triathlon and successful triathlon club based in St Albans called Triforce. Um, and a lot of members who are members of the running club and members of the cycling club also um, you know, are members of the, the triathlon club as well. A true and community course, then it would seem. Exactly and then of course you've got um, Westminster Lodge Everyone Active uh, Gym where I knew uh, Gigi and I was um, I have a, a run leaders coaching license from UK Athletics and so I, I take out uh, uh, runners from the running club but I was also taking out a, a running group from Everyone Active um, and so they offer a, a good start point for people wanting to get into into the sport. Um, and like me, it becomes addictive. I started I started this because I I, I was quite new to St mm -hmm. Albans. I didn't really know anybody. I wanted to get fit, and it it, it turned into a beast. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a beast. I think it's something quite sublime and beautiful. It's taking you around the world, and it has really. Uh, well, it's opened my eyes quite literally. And if you're listening, intrigued to learn more, if you want to uh, experience a similar beautiful beast, as Martin Whitworth has explained tonight, check out the Striders, check out Tri uh, Force, and of course, the great people over at Westminster Lodge as well. So much for us to enjoy here on our local communities from a sporting perspective. And it's a pleasure to provide those highlights. Martin Whitworth. It has been an honour and a pleasure to enjoy your company and I would like to wish you every continued success as you seek those incremental gains and keep on running. Thanks for your time just now. Thanks, Tony. Thank you ever so much.